Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. God is so good, amen? In just a few short weeks, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, and I know that you're excited about that. It's a special time for my family. Um, we get together every Thanksgiving, and we do the Thanksgiving thing. We, we cook food. I say we, the mouse in my pocket. My mom and my sister and the ladies of the house, they cook about five or six hours, and then we come in and eat it in about five minutes. Say amen, ladies. We come in and eat it, and then we, we, we rush out to the TV set to watch the parade. How many watches the parade? No, you skip sleep through this? I'm good, brother. There's absolutely no help whatsoever for talking about TV and parades and, and football. Football. How many are going to watch a football game this Thursday? Or this Thursday. It's not that cool. It's, it's a few weeks. Don't get excited. It's going to be a few weeks. We do something kind of strange. We always buy a new tablecloth. Does anybody get a new tablecloth for Thanksgiving? That's the strangest thing that we do, but we do that. I don't know why we do that, but we do, and, I, and I'm thankful for it because uh, it comes in handy. We, we have this tradition that we do in our house um, that we, we go around the table, and I don't know if you do this or not, but it's, it, if you don't, you go ahead and take it, steal it. I recommend it. When we go around the table and the, even the kids like partake in this and you say something that you're thankful for. You say something about, I'm thankful for our new cat. I'm thankful for our new uh, horse that we got. And then it gets to the adults and sometimes it gets pretty heavy. Anybody ever notice that? Like when you start going around and inevitably somebody's going to say something that's going to absolutely wreck the entire Thanksgiving dinner before we even have prayer. And the whole place is crying and there's Thanksgiving tears and you're using the tablecloth for your nose, the brand new tablecloth. And before you know it, something is happening in the room. And it was about the parade. It was about the football games. And, the, and you know, the Cowboys are definitely going to lose on Thanksgiving. And, you know, I'm a Cowboy fan. I just, I'm speaking truth. So, uh, picking up there. I have found it to be true that, that, that when, you, when you go around the table like that and then you start sharing uh, things that you're thankful for and you open up your mouth and you actually don't just think them, but you use your words to express them. I found it to be true that when we start expressing our true gratitude, it engages more than just our minds. It affects our hearts. Haven't you found that to be true? Like you, you weren't really expecting it. You're just you're there just to eat good dinner. Can we just can we just all calm down? And but it, you can't calm down when you start expressing gratitude. Your hearts get involved, and this is this is because this is the reason. Real gratitude always comes from the heart. Real gratitude always comes from the heart. It's it's not a mind thing. It's not a brain thing. It's a it's a heart. 
thing. And uh, you're like, okay, don't get weird about it. It's just, you know, you don't have to, we don't have to cry, do we, on Thanksgiving? You don't have to cry. I'm just saying that when you start expressing those thoughts, those, uh, those thoughts that you're having toward uh, the things that you're so thankful to God for, like your family, like uh, the food that you're about to eat, something happens. And to be honest, um, tonight I'd like, I want to be honest, I should be honest, I'm preaching, uh, it'd be a good time to be honest. If I'm going to ever be honest, right now is a great time to go ahead and engage in this. So it may be my first time in doing this, so bear with me. Messages about Thanksgiving and gratitude can seem, uh, they seem a little like we're upset at you up here behind this desk. Like we're scolding you. Like stop me if you've heard this one. Uh, You ought to give thanks. Anybody heard that one on Thanksgiving? How about think about all the things that you have and all those other people that don't have any of that. I want you to think about that right now because you're a horrible person and give thanks. I know you're kind of laughing, but you felt that before. I've felt that before. I've preached that before. Here's another one. Don't, don't, cons- uh, don't, don't concentrate on what you're missing out of your life. Don't think about all the things you don't have, but rather be grateful for what you do have. And you're ungrateful. You old thing, you're ungrateful because all you think about is what you don't have. You just need to give thanks. As tempting as that is to preach, I'm going to go ahead and skip that. Ungrateful people are just absolute losers and give thanks. That's what it feels like to preach about on Thanksgiving sometimes because those are the things that seem to come out of Thanksgiving messages. That's kind of what we do. It's kind of what it sounds like when someone says... As a matter of fact, the, most, the craziest thing that you could ever be called or the most hurtful thing for me would be called, somebody call me ungrateful. That hurts. That hurts. You don't even know how I feel. But that, that, if you call me ungrateful, that is very, 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 very painful. And as I approach this Thanksgiving year, I begin to think about and rediscover some things that I'd never really thought about before, like this, discovering the difference between giving thanks and having a thankful heart. Giving thanks and having a grateful heart or a thankful heart. Anyone can say thank you. Let's practice it. Thank you. Absolutely anybody can say thank you. A two-year-old baby in this house today that that is trained to say thank you can say thank you. I would even go so far to say as a non-believer could say the words, thank you. They could give an exchange in that. But it requires something else for you and I to have a grateful heart. That's a totally different conversation. That's what I want to have tonight. Here's what I found to be true, that true thankfulness and gratitude is always a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. Say, it's always a heart issue. Maybe you can identify with this, but as I was growing up as a kid, the earliest memories I have is my mom teaching me to say thank you. It's what we do. From the very beginning, we're trying to teach them to get into a habit of when someone gives you something or you take something from someone, you just naturally say thank you. Thank you. It was like a key to everything at two and three and four years old. My mom would just look at me and say, what do you say? And I just, I knew what to say. Thank you. There was, there was another word that we use. It's called please. 
What do you say? Please. I knew it was either one of those. I had a 50-50 shot no matter what. Every time she asked that question, I knew it had to be one of those two things. My, my parents did a great job. A great job. Pat me on the back. They did. A little Freudian slip there. Listen, they did the best they could with what they had to work with. But as I got older, as I got older... It's funny how we do this. Like when I got into my teenage years, my mom stopped asking me, what do you say? She didn't ask me that anymore. And here's the reason why. It wasn't so important that I had it here, but that I had it here. She wanted to know how I felt then. It wasn't about creating a habit of saying thank you. When I got older, she wanted to know what was in my heart. What do you think the Bible says about our hearts? If anything, and the Bible does in fact say a lot, and you know this, and I'm going to run a few scriptures by you about as fast as I can read them. You may not be able to write them down, but the Bible says a ton about our hearts because gratitude, and this is why we're looking at this, gratitude has everything to do with our hearts. So Psalms 51 and 10, David writes, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Jeremiah 17, 10 said, I, the Lord, search the heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Matthew 5 and 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see. Oh, that's a big one. You see that? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall. It's a big one. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thine and lean not into thine own understanding. It's a heart issue. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even and dividing asunder the soul and the spirit of the joints and marrow, and is, discerner of, is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The heart. The Bible says the heart is uh, regarded as the seat of our emotions. That's where our emotions are seated and, and are placed. It's where our passions are in our hearts. And it's where our attitudes are. It doesn't come from here. It comes from here. It all has to do with our hearts. Understand our hearts are not the issue. They, are, they're not, they don't have an issue. They are the issue. The heart is not an issue, it is the issue, the Bible says. Our heart's condition is vital. It's vitally important that your heart is right, both for spiritual well-being and for emotional well-being. And what seems like the scariest part for all of us is, is the Acts chapter 15 and verse 8. It's one of the scariest scriptures for me personally, and it's very short. You know what it says? And God knoweth the heart. Kind of a big deal. It's a very scary thought. God knows my heart. Yikes. Great. Oh boy, here we go. In light of all this good news I've given you so far, I have a question for you. Do you have a thankful heart? Do you have a thankful heart? And God knows. Look at your neighbor and said, I, look, at, look at him and tell him, say, I thought he wasn't going to do this to us. I thought he wasn't going to talk about something to make us feel bad. I thought he wasn't going to rake us over the coals. He kind of set us up for this. You see what he did there in the beginning? Made us put a guard down and then he... It's a powerful passage of Scripture uh, with promise found in the book 
of Ezekiel chapter number 36. And in this particular chapter, there's a, there's a word that God delivers to his people. It's a word of promise. And here's where I'm going to pull you out of the mire that I just told you about, that God's watching you and he knows your heart and he's looking at your heart and the heart's the issue and heart's the matter of the problem. It's not a problem, it's the problem of all humanity. It's a heart problem. And then we run into Ezekiel chapter 36 and I'm going to, serve, I'm going to save us all right here. And we're going to look at this together. Verse number 24, verse 24 through 27, it reads this way. For I will take you out of the nations... He's telling his people this. I'm going to take you out of the nations. I'm going to gather you from all the countries and bring you back into our own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. In verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. In verse 27, I will put my spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In verse 26, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. You already see it. I'm not a deep preacher. Thank God for that. I had trouble driving to church today. I don't need to get too deep. It was dark. It was weird. It was anybody weird? Forget it. Verse 26. God declares to his people. With a promise, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your old heart of stone. I'll take it out of you and I'll give you a fresh heart, a heart of flesh. It's powerful scripture. Many of you will remember the name uh, Bill Frist. Bill Frist was a United States senator from Tennessee and later Republican majority leader for a little while. And along with his political career, Mr. Fist was, and I think still is, a wonderful physician. Uh, if, if that's not true, don't, don't raise your hand and tell me right now, because I'm trying to preach and tell this story. According to his bio, according to Mr. Fist's bio, he, he is in, has personally performed over 150 heart transplants. As a thoracic surgeon, uh, it se- that seems like a lot to me. I don't know if that's something... 150 heart transplants that this man has done. And that while still in in the office, uh, Mr. Fist, I read this about a prayer breakfast that he spoke at one morning uh, about his heart transplants that he had performed over the years. And during this talk that he's giving at this prayer breakfast, uh, he spoke very reverently uh, when he got to a certain part of his story that he was talking about in his heart transplant stories that he was sharing with his prayer breakfast. He, he, got, he got real slow and he got real reverent in talking about the moment. The moment, he said, when a heart has been grafted into a new body. And all the surgical team, he says, has done everything that they can do to their, uh, their, their skill level. And then they do something incredible. He says they simply step back and wait. He said they step back and they wait and they hope until the heart begins to beat. That it maintains that constant rhythm and it begins to pump. And that it begins to do what it was created to do. He says it's a very tense moment when we're all standing there. And their intellect and brilliance is, is amazing to me. But there is a moment 
when they can do no more. And they step back and begin to watch. And he, and he, he simply steps back and he's telling the story. He gets into this moment where he's talking about where he, he's speaking in medical terms and he starts speaking in spiritual terms right after this. And he says, he begins to describe this miraculous moment when a new heart beats in the body for the first time. He says, he calls it an absolute mystery. They can't figure out what makes the spark. Now, I know they shock it, I know they, but they don't have the control or the ability to make the heart work. They just don't know where it comes from, and he calls it a mystery. And over 150 transplants that this man has performed, I think he's qualified to speak on it, don't you? He ought to know. This is an amazing happening that people can have in their hearts when they're When it comes to modern medicine and this phenomenon of heart transplants, there is something that happens during these transplants that they can't really describe or they they struggle explaining, especially to people like myself. It turns out that our hearts, our hearts that are beating in this place right this moment, are doing more and are more than just pumps that pump blood through our body. Here's what they say. The the, the heart pumps and circulates 5,000 quarts of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels a day. Anybody getting nauseous? I am. I'm kind of getting sick up here. They say it's like the heart has a mind of its own. Not my words, theirs. Studies have shown that the heart secretes a brain-like hormone, here's where I'm going to lose you, and has cellular memory. That the heart has brain-like hormones and cellular memory. One man has studied this thing out. His name's Charles Siebert. And Charles observed heart transplant patients in uh, New York at Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. He attended all of their banquets of these people. There's, there was hundreds of them that were uh, heart transplant patients. And he attended every one of their meetings that they had, all of their banquets, because it's kind of a big deal for those people. And they have uh, sessions. And he, he went with them to their appointments, even with the doctors. And he interacted with with these people and these recipients as much as he could. And in his writings, you can read about his writings and studies, he says, he was so personally moved at their deep gratefulness for life. He was overwhelmed at their deep gratefulness of life that they had. He said that he had never seen people more thankful just to be alive. He said they spoke often of their second chance. He said how they became so overwhelmed and so thankful for the second chance that every time that he talked with them, their second chance came up. And when they talked about, when they talked to him and interacted with him and he, he, he had conversation with them, they would always bring up their donor. They became overwhelmed with joy and tears began to flow when they began to talk about the donor of the heart that kept them alive. And here's where it gets really strange. Many of them talked about brand new desires that came out. Is this nuts? Many of them talked about the desires that came out of their, their new heart that came out of somebody else that they, when they received their new heart. Mr. Siebert's study and research shows that the transplant patients don't just get a new heart. Right. 
they got more than just a new heart. They received a completely new sensory response and cravings and habits. Is that nuts? This is the kicker. Siebert called his group at Presbyterian Hospital the tribe of the transplanted. The tribe of the transplanted. And here's why they were a tribe. Because they were special. Because they had something in common. Their hearts had been transformed. They had brand new hearts. They had hearts that were brand new. They had brand new centuries. They had brand new habits. And they all got together and they created this tribe of the transplanted. Something incredible was happening in their life and they needed to share. So they created this tribe of the heart of the transplanted. And in verse 26 of our text, there's another tribe. According to our Bible, according to your Bible, in verse 26 of the text that I read, there's another tribe. Let me tell you what they look like. Let me tell you what they sound like. The tribe were these. They were the tribe of those that were dead in trespasses of sin. The tribe of the transplanted were those that were in the trespasses of sin, whose hearts were far from good, blood-pumping, life-giving hearts. They were so far in sin. They were so backward. Their hearts were so bad. and Their hearts were so filled with intentions of regret and unhappiness and unfaithfulness and unfruitfulness and un- un- ungratefulness to God and ungratefulness for their family. And such were some of you. And such were some of me. Many of us are like, I don't really know what you're talking about because now my heart is so purified. I don't think that way. I don't, I don't go that direction. But let me tell you something. There were people in this room right now that were in cardiac arrest when they walked into this building. There were people whose hearts were failing them. Their hearts were so bitter and so bad. Nobody in my family volunteered to give me a brand new heart. Nobody. Nobody on my Facebook wall offered to give me a brand new heart. Nobody that I know offered to give me a transplant. Nobody that I know offered to give me a new lease on life. Not one person. But we began to, when we walked into this house for the very first time, and many of you know what I'm talking about, when you came to the front and you gave your heart heart to Jesus Christ, you know what took place. You know what happened. It wasn't just something, this, this something off the wall. Something supernatural happened. There was a wow moment that took place. When we met the one that promised and fulfilled what he told us he would do, which is take away our hearts of stone and transplant a new heart, that is such an amazing revelation. That's such an amazing promise. No matter how long you've been in this, it doesn't matter. That's such an amazing, amazing word. The day you gave your heart to God, the day you gave your heart to the Lord, he gave you a new heart. Isn't that amazing? You became a part of a tribe. Do you want me to tell you what the tribe was? Is it okay if I use this analogy? I'm going to do it anyway. You became a part of a tribe of a transplanted heart. You have a brand new heart. When you surrendered your life, when you gave your heart up to Jesus Christ, you got a brand new heart. 
And not to be outdone, but just a transplant, but something began to happen. You started having some cellular memory from what God gave you because he didn't just create a heart. He gave you his heart. I know I'm not, I know I'm not yelling this right now, but I hope you're getting this in your heart. Let me tell you what happens when you have a transplant in the natural. Somebody has to. So in order for you to get a new heart in the spiritual, something had to die. And Jesus Christ said, I'll take your place. I'll be your donor. I'll be your donor. I'll give you a brand new heart. I'll give you what you really, really need is a fresh start to take away your heart of stone. To give you fresh vision. To give you fresh hope. You become a part. It, this is so amazing. Let, I don't want to jump too, too quick here on this. This is, why, this is why when you came into the church and you gave your heart to God and there wasn't, the heavens didn't open up and there wasn't craziness and you, you, just, you just absolutely walked out of this place with a brand new heart and you came back the next service and you started, you started thinking differently. Your habits started changing. Nobody said anything to you. You just started having that cellular memory from the person that gave you the heart. You kind of got it by receiving the heart from the man that gave it to you. And you start making better decisions. You start, not because it's in you, but it's because you got a brand new heart. People with new hearts can do things they never thought they could do before. That's why people in the world look at us and they look at Thanksgiving. They look at the 1st of November. You're, you guys are talking about Thanksgiving and the 1st of November? It's because we have a different heart. We don't think that way. We don't feel that way. We have a new heart. We are part of a tribe of the transplanted. You don't look the same as you used to look. You're, you don't even look at your family the same way. You don't look at your family the same way after your heart has been changed by Jesus Christ. You don't look at your friends the same way. Something amazing has happened in your life. Now you humbly, now you humbly and willingly respond and acknowledge the responsibility to honor and to give thanks to your donor. Nobody has to beg you. Nobody has to come up and preach those things that I talked to you in the beginning because you have a new heart. Your heart has been changed to the one. Let me tell you something. They don't have to beg those people to love those donors that gave them their heart. The only reason they were alive is because of those people. So they, don't have to, they didn't have to beg them to love those donors. God said, I will remove that heart of stone out of your chest. And I will absolutely give you a brand new heart. Now, now at first glance, a heart of stone sounds pretty solid, man. I've got to be honest. It's kind of a silly point. But a heart of stone, it, can, it comes in handy in the day and time we live right now. Trust me. Put your heart out there. See what happens. It's what we do. We kind of like a little bit of hardness in our heart. But that's not the kind of heart God wants to give us. That's not the kind of heart God told us he would give us. 
It's not that kind of heart that he has for you. This is more like a God's heart, a heart that's tender, a heart that can easily feel. And I know that sounds so like my wife's been talking to me because she's like a therapist and like she wants me to get in, feel in touch with my feelings. But this has nothing to do with, 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 with feelings. It has nothing to do with a couch and being like getting in touch and all that. This has to do with a heart transplant. This has to do with Almighty God beginning to take out that old man and put in that new man a heart of thankfulness. I doubt, I doubt very seriously, and he doesn't write about it, but I'm just going I'm to go with this. that he, I doubt that the tribe of the transplanted people that I studied about and looked at, they didn't walk around with chips on their shoulder. They didn't need to be reminded very often about how blessed they were. They knew. They just know, man. You just know. And they all hung out together. I love that. Because it takes one to know one. There's something about when you gather together in a big room like this with a bunch of transplanted hearts. I can't get this on the job. I can't get this at school. There's something about it when we gather together and our hearts are beating as one. We can talk about our donor. We can talk about the one that that gave us life. And we can be thankful for that. Nobody has to beg us to be thankful for that. And I know who I'm preaching to tonight. They, all they had to do any time that those transplant, the tribe of the transplant, they get a little down, they get a little bit upset, or they get a little bit under pressure, all they got to do is... I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Thump. Thump. Donor. 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 That'd be a lesson to us. Put your hand on your chest right now. You feel that? Feel that? The only reason, I'm going to give you a little revelation, not in the notes, this is totally free. The only reason your heart is beating right now is because God wants it to. And listen, God's not willing that any should perish or for your heart to stop beating, but that all should come into repentance. The moment, He's not willing that anybody should perish. The moment your heart stops, I believe this with all my heart. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying it. The moment your heart stops, I believe with all of my heart, God has done everything to exhaust your effort to be saved. For you to come to repentance. And let me tell you something. That heart that you feel right now, if you've given that to Jesus Christ, that's not your heart. That's His that's his heart. That needs to be a reminder with you. tomorrow on your job and you're driving down the road or you're trying to get to work and everybody's acting crazy. Put your hand on your heart and feel that thumping and say, man, your grace is sufficient, God. You're giving me another day to repent. You're giving me another day to walk with you. You're giving me another day that I can win somebody for you. Every time I feel my heart beating, I think I owe him. I owe him. I owe him. I owe him. Matthew 22. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's interesting, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I, now, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I do think that sometimes, and Pastor can straighten this up, I believe that word sequences are important in the Bible. 
I think they're very important many times. And when you're talking about love, I think this is in sequence for a reason. And, and here's why I think it's significant. Because the heart comes first. The heart comes first. I have to be careful when I engage my community with my mind first. I have to be careful when I approach my children someday with my mind first. I have to be careful when I get in this pulpit and only come to you with my mind first because he said, this is how you're supposed to love. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to love me. Come with me. Come to me with your heart first. Many times, hear this, many times minds stay close to truth until hearts have been opened with compassion. Many times mind stays close to truth. All minds stay close to truth until hearts. You've heard it said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Let me say it this way. My mind can be very harsh. It can be very matter of fact. My mind can just be so direct. But when I think with my heart, when I talk from my heart, when I am living in the tribe of the transplanted, it is full of compassion and grace and mercy come out of me because this is not a heart of my own. It's a heart given by Almighty God. Gratitude and compassion are the ultimate explanations. They're, they're, they're what we should go to every single time. I had a call. I, this is not in the notes either. I'm just doing this. I got a call yesterday, and it was about 45 minutes long about, and it was no, literally it was nobody here. I, preachers say that, but I'm being honest. This was nobody here. <laughs> yeah. Somebody on Facebook did something and they called them and they absolutely tore them up. And you know what they did? They said, listen, I'm sorry I offended you. I'm going to take this down. I want to make this right. This is the last thing I wanted to do. That is a, that's, that's not thinking from here because it doesn't take much for any of us to go ahead and handle that kind of business. But when we begin to think from our heart, when we begin to love with our heart first and not our mind first, there's something else beautiful that comes out of us that's not of our own because we're a part of the tribe of the transplanted because God has put something deep within us that can help us if we will use it. There's time for logic, left brain explanation, but gratitude and compassion are always the best way to go. There's no difference, there's no defense against God being the compassionate God. When God shows up and he loves people, there's no they don't want to fight about that. When you are that way, they don't want to fight about that either. God is not mean. God has never been mean. God is not rude. He's not rough. He's not. But he's right. In some incredibly incredible way, he's right and not rude and not mean and not tough at the same time. That's tricky. He's God and he's right, but he's loving and he's compassionate toward us. God's heart is compassionate towards us. If that's not true, let's turn the lights out and all go home because nothing else matters. We don't stand a chance if God is not compassionate and heart first toward us. Isaiah 53 says it this way. He tells us he's acquainted with our grief. He's acquainted with it. That means he knows it. That means he understands it. That means he feels that his heart is compassionate toward us. 
He sees all that we see. He feels all that we feel. That is very, very helpful to me to know that I have a God that cares about me that much. I want to tell you a few statistics here, and I don't want to tell you these to make you feel bad. I've already tried to nail that part down. You're not going to feel bad, are you? Okay. I want to, I want to illustrate a point here about our, our minds versus our hearts, and, and, and these are terrible. Every year, 15 million children die of starvation. That's 40,000 children a day. That blows my mind. That blows your mind. Here's the point and the problem. Because we don't know their names, because we don't have pictures with their faces on it, we just know the number 15,040,000 a day. It doesn't crush our hearts. It blows our mind. It doesn't crush our hearts. 8,000 people died today of AIDS. Blows my mind. But it doesn't crush my heart. But the moment, the moment I come face to face into a hospital room with a face of a person lying in a hospital room tonight, I begin to get stirred in my heart. It moves from my head to my heart. When I begin to stop thinking about it and I start getting my heart involved, I start getting passionate about making a difference in those individuals' lives. When our hearts are engaged, when our hearts are affected, when our hearts are reminded, when our hearts that are transplanted by God are given to us and they are affected, then gratitude will come out. It'll come out. Because we are a part of the tribe of the transplanted, we have been equipped. We have been equipped with a heart of gratitude. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to strum it up. God has placed in you the equipment, the heart of gratitude that you need to have. That to be tender toward the things of God and the things that are around you. Jesus is our greatest example of this. And we can read it throughout all scripture. His heart was so engaged with humanity. His heart was so engaged and so tender toward people. That whenever people cried out to him, he always responded to them with compassion and with love. It's amazing. His heart was so tender. He acted. He acted on their behalf. He didn't just hear. He didn't just see. He didn't just think, but he felt. The Bible says he wept when he looked at Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would you not that you have missed your time of thy visitation. He cried. He wept. I told you that he feels the feelings of our infirmities. He feels for us. He has a heart for us. And he acts on our behalf. The Bible warns about the last days. How many believe we're in the last days? If you don't, you'll believe it right after this. Acts 28 and verse 27 says, For the people's heart has become calloused in the last days. Their hearts have become calloused. That doesn't sound like the heart that Jesus gives. That doesn't sound like the heart that was prophesied to be given. That doesn't sound like the heart of the transplanted that I read you about. But he said, the scripture says, The hearts have become calloused. 
Now, you may be getting a little bit wore out on all this fluffy stuff that I'm talking about, about, about having a heart that is, is, is full of gratitude and a heart that is full of thankfulness and a heart that is not, not, not filled with bitterness and anger. But let me, let me explain something to you. Maybe I don't know what you're going through. Maybe I don't know what kind of year you've had. Maybe, maybe your heart is hardened for a good reason. Maybe you've become callous for a good reason. I think we all could say that life has a way of hardening the arteries. Life has a way of making us all become a little more sluggish, maybe a little slower to act, maybe a little bit slower to reach out in a hand because time does that. Circumstances do that. You get burned a few times. You have your heart chopped out from underneath you. You kind of slow down on that sort of deal. Can I get a good amen right there? Maybe it's you've put your heart out there many times and to engage and to help and to, to take me up on this offer, and you know this to be true. This is just a reminder of how our hearts have all been changed and been and more tenderized in a heart of flesh that God can use to reach others. But you've seen things go bad. You've seen things go wrong, and your heart's been crushed. That's real. But I want to tell you tonight that God can take those broken hearts God can take those broken, calloused hearts and those unforgiving hearts. God can take the heart that's not engaged, the heart that is uh, so disappointed because of the hurt that's come. And and I think it's so amazing, and my wife can correct me on this later, but we we spend a lot of time in in counseling and things trying to deal with the thoughts and and the things that we're facing. But it's, but it's, you almost have to wade through this to get to this. Does that make sense? You almost have to wade through all the thoughts to get to the root of the problem because the Bible says, the Bible says that your heart's deceitfully wicked, but it also says that your mind can deceive you. You could be wondering about not really even knowing who you are. And, and maybe that's you tonight. You've, you've, you've put so much emphasis on your thoughts and your thinking, but I've come to preach to you tonight. God wants to change your heart. God wants to give you a brand new heart. It's impossible to have gratitude in your head. It's possible. It's possible to have gratitude in your head and not in your heart. It is possible. I believe that in the heart of the transplanted, in the heart of you and I, we have the stuff. We have the capacity to live a heart-filled, grateful life. We have that. God wants our hearts. I love the way that new, the New Living Translation says this, and I'm, I'm about to close. Randy, you can help me if you don't mind. I, the, the New Living Translation says this, and it's not on the screen. Let me read it to you this way of our text in verse 26. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony one, the stubborn one, the stubborn heart, and give you a tender heart, a responsive heart. Don't nudge your husband right now. That old stubborn heart. That old non-responsive heart. That old I'm just going to sit here heart. Bless your little heart up there, young man. That's cute what you're doing right now. Bless your heart. Well, bless your heart. Gratitude is always a heart issue. It's always a hard issue. It's always going to be a hard issue. David wrote it this way. Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart.
clean heart. How many of you pray that? Good Lord, it always creeps up in my prayer. Every, and I'm not even that spiritual, trust me. I need a clean heart. God, I need a clean heart. I need a clean heart. I think starting out this Thanksgiving season, nothing could be greater than for all of us to just simply pray a prayer. A prayer that, God, check my heart. It's interesting. We were at the Heart Hospital last night. Pastor mentioned I ran out there last night to see Sister Green. She's doing fine as far as I know. And they said in the first 15 minutes of getting to the Heart Hospital, and I didn't know I was going to preach this, but the first 15 minutes, they, they have to start a pick line. They have to do an EKG. And like, they, I mean, they are business. Let me tell you what this place is. Let me tell you what this is all about right here. It's a hospital. That's what this is. And it's, it's not a neurosurgeon going on up here. We're not dealing with minds up here. We're dealing with hearts. Because out of the abundance of the... Oh, we could go all day on this. The mouth speaketh. Listen, it's all about the heart. And we're up here doing surgery. In the first 15 minutes, he tries to get us... Pastor Randy tries to get us into the, the presence of the Lord. And Pastor Johnson come up here and bears his heart. To try to get to your heart. And for God to take out your old, to give you a new. It's all about the heart. That's all it's about. And I can't think of a better way to start this series or this this type of thinking without just saying, God created me a new heart. Maybe it's your first time here and you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. And I've used so many analogies about the heart. You're so confused. Let me just sum it up for you. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, I invite you to do it. I invite you just to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm ready. I'm not sorry. I I surrender. I'm ready to give up my old stony heart that I know very well. And you know what it's about? It's about me. Monday, it's about me. Tuesday, it's about me. Even on Sundays and Wednesdays, it's all about me. But let me tell you, when you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, incredible things start opening up for your life. Incredible habits that you never thought were possible to get rid of suddenly become possible because of an almighty God that wants to give you a brand new heart and a brand new start. God, I don't want to just have it in my head. I don't want to just have a bunch of thanksgiving. Thank you, thank you, I love you, I love you, thank you. And this is all neat. I want to have a a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude. We all admitted in the very beginning that something significant happens when we all start talking from our heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, and I'll end it with this. It is possible to have it here, not have it here. Here's what Jesus said. You ready? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can have it here, not have it here. Here's what I suggest. Here's what I submit. That we all stand right now. I've gone way too long. I, don't, I didn't mean to. We've got just a few moments here. I would love for us to step out of where you are. Not because of, you're not going to get anything extra from God because you step out. But I'd love for us to, to come as a bunch of tribes of the transplanted. If God has transplanted your heart, you ought to be the first out of the pew.
to make your way to the front. I just want us to come and pray a simple prayer. A simple prayer. A prayer of thanksgiving. Not from our minds, not from our thinking, but from our hearts. Maybe it's a prayer of admission of God. I've got some stuff in there I know I need to take care of. But God, I can't get in there because I can even hide things from myself in my heart. That's what your word says. So God, I want you to create in me a brand new heart. I want you to do some heart surgery on me. In in Psalms chapter 9 and verse 1, I want this is what my, my prayer is for all of us for this entire season. Here's what it says. It's a declaration. And I want you to declare this in your heart. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. That's your takeaway. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Would you say that with me? I will give thanks with my whole heart. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.